Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. In 1818, in Austria, the first time on Christmas Eve, the song Silent Night was sung. It was written by Franz Gruber and Joseph Moore. Joseph wrote the lyrics. He was a young priest, and, his, and the music was written by Franz. And uh, they sang it with a guitar, and they had a choir involved. And it was the first time the world heard Stilnox, the, the song that we think of as Silent Night. And it is one of the best, right, of, of the Christmas carols. If you're going to have like a Christmas carol draft, of, and, and if you get first overall pick with the Christmas Carol draft, you're picking Silent Night probably first because it's wonderful. And, every, and it's one of the ones, you know, you may forget the words to O Little Town of Bethlehem in the, in the various verses or whatever, but, but just about everybody knows Silent Night, right? And we know that it goes, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright. And, it's, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful carol used to describe the, the birth of Jesus in, in Bethlehem. Um, but it is a little problematic if you, if you think about just those phrases. And we're actually going through those phrases during this Advent season. We talked about silence last week. But if you think about those phrases, at least in regard to childbirth, they don't make a ton of sense, right? Silent night. I don't know. I, I have had the opportunity to get a front row seat to the birth of three wonderful boys into the world. Um, it was many things. It is profound. It is stirring. It is life-altering. Uh, it, it's an incredible thing. It is not silent. There's zero silence involved in childbirth. Um, it is maybe the opposite of silent. It is quite loud and quite um, chaotic, but chaotic night, holy night, doesn't sound as good, I get that, um, not silent, uh, all is calm, again, not, not indicative of childbirth at all, results may vary, but y- if you are giving birth this season or you're going to or experience, let me give just a little spoiler alert, not all is calm, it is not calm, um, all is, I mean, this is before epidurals, and, I, and so it's definitely not calm. Right? And I've seen, again, I've seen it. It is wild. It's, a, it's incredible. It is, you know, heaven meets earth, but not calm. Um, all is bright. Um, uh, you know, uh, modern day hospital, yes, very bright. Um, lots of, they got the machine that goes ping, and they've got all the lights that, you know, like it's very bright. But in the history of the world, especially if you're born at night, probably not all is bright, right? Probably fairly dark at, at times. Um, and, and so I wanted to kind of pick those phrases apart. The one, the one that really, um, I think, lands perfectly is, is holy night, right? Silent night, holy night, which is what I want to talk about today. Because there's something uh, incredible about, about birth, generally, special. Uh, the word holy means set apart. So there's something special, unique, set apart about birth. And, uh, and I would argue there's something very unique and special about Jesus's birth. This was unlike anything the world had ever seen and would ever see uh, again. It was, it was a, a powerful thing. We tend to think of Christmas as a season of giving and receiving. You give gifts, you receive gifts, 
buy somebody something for buy buy a gift for somebody at work or your family or that kind of thing. And and, and all of that is good. That that's fine. Giving and receiving is is great. But for disciples of Jesus, for followers of Jesus, we have to make this a holy season. We have to set it apart and say, this is what this is for. It's not about gifts and ho-ho-ho and mistletoe and all that. Like, it's not, those things are all fun, but that's not what this is. This is set apart. This is holy. It is special. It is not, the opposite of holy would be like ordinary. It is not ordinary. But if we're going to, if Advent is going to be holy and special, we have to make it that, that way. Um, the, 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 the Advent season, the celebration of Jesus' birth, this asks something of us. It asks us to worship him. And that's a, that's a different thing. So I want to look at um, Luke chapter 1. And we actually looked at this last, we started in this last week. We talked about how an angel appeared to Mary and, and told her that she was going to give birth. And she had sort of the obvious questions of like, I'm a virgin, how is this going to happen? And, and one of the things the angel told her was... Um, because she was in disbelief, as you would be, you know, just like, how, how would I have God's child? I haven't, you know, Joseph and I haven't slept together, all kinds of stuff. And she's like, no, this is God's child that's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you, is what it said. And then the angel says to, to Mary, um, your cousin Elizabeth was barren and in her old age, and then, and then she's having a baby. You know that she's already, you know, several months long or whatever. He drops that little piece of information. And then from there, um, Mary decides to go visit Elizabeth. Like, an angel appears, mentions Elizabeth, and Mary's like, I should talk to Elizabeth. Maybe she knows what's going on, because this is, this is really wild. So I want to pick it up there um, in Luke chapter 1, and we will start with verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is a pretty wild interaction. On the one hand, there's maybe the typical stuff of two women who are pregnant getting together, talking about you. You expect they would get together and say, oh, you know, how far along are you and how are you been feeling? Or, are you having Braxton Hicks or whatever they called them in ancient Israel? Like, are you, are you, how, you know, how, you know, how has it been? Or any morning sickness? You, you expect those kind of conversations. But when they, they get together here, um, it's, it's a different thing. Uh, the, the baby moves in her womb uh, leaping for joy at the, the thought or, or the, at the presence of Jesus being nearby um, from one womb to another, like there's this thing going on. And that's weird, right? But Luke, who wrote this, is a physician. And so if, if this was a natural thing, he could have said, you know, babies shift sometimes, and that's just the way it was. But he, he wants us to know that there's something going on here. There's a, a supernatural thing happening. And Elizabeth sees it that way as well. Not because she's naive and doesn't know anything about how babies move in the womb. She, she goes, oh wait, there's something going on here. There's this connection that my kid has to, to, to your kid. And so Luke points that out, that the baby senses it. John the Baptist, who we not known as the Baptist when he was a little kid, but John the Baptist later, 
Jesus' cousin, um, he, he moves when, when Jesus is nearby in Mary's womb. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. It's this Holy Spirit-filled thing. And the key thing I want us to notice is what Elizabeth says to her. Let me read it to you again in verse 43. And she says, as she sees Mary, she says, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? How does she refer to Mary's baby? Well, as her Lord. Well, that's a little weird. Because later she will, she will mention the Lord ha- has made this happen. So who is the Lord in this story? Is the Lord the one who got Mary pregnant and is bringing about this whole thing, the Lord that she worships in, in the synagogue and all of a sudden, is, is that the Lord? Or is the Lord the one that's in the womb? Because she kind of says, well, you're the mother of my Lord, but you came from the Lord. This is like the Trinity. This is like this Trinitarian. Maybe Elizabeth is like the first Trinitarian to understand like, oh, wait, there's, some, there's the spirit in me. And, and that, that is God in the flesh here. Not just God sent to you, but God sent to you. But this is also, this is also God. She's the first to point it out. And this is profound for Mary. In fact, she bursts out into song about it, which we're going to read here in a second. Um, But I I want you to notice this uh, important idea that I think is really relevant to all of us today. It's this um, truth is realized in community. Now, Mary heard this truth originally from an angel. An angel appeared to her and told her, this is what's going to happen. And you would think if you hear from an angel, that's enough for you. You got it. I mean, an angel appears, you're going to believe it. An angel said it, I believe it, that settles it. Done, right? But even that, you know, she had to ponder this stuff. She had to be like, wait a second, what did I, what did I just hear? Um, there is a value in other people, other people with skin and bone, flesh people, seeing the truth in you and, and calling it out. There's incredible value in that. And I don't know that Mary understood it fully until this moment. Like she heard the angel and then she, she pondered it. So it says she went with haste to the hill country to see Elizabeth. I bet after she heard that angel... The angel mentioned Elizabeth, and she's like, I got to go there right now and talk to Elizabeth. And, and on, her, on her journey to the hill country, I would imagine Mary was, was like, what is going on? What is really happening here? How can, this, how can this be? And when she sees Elizabeth, um, uh, Elizabeth sees her and, and basically says, I see what God is doing in you. This is what's happening. Because I'm sure Mary was like, so an angel told me, and now I'm pregnant. Like, am I crazy? And Elizabeth's like, you're not crazy. This is the moment. This is what we've been waiting for. This is really happening. God is at work here. And when that happens, Mary believes it, and it changes her. As Americans, we tend to think of truth in terms of if you believe it or not. We think of truth as being very individual, well, is that true? We, this is why we say things like, and we, we've sort of joked about it before, and you know about it, right? Like, that's true for you, not true for me, right? We're so individualistic about our concept of truth, we even make it personal, like it's my truth, your truth, that kind of thing. I was thinking of, uh, uh, there's a song in Into the Woods, the lyrics, right? You decide what's right. You decide what's good, right? And that, and that idea is repeated through many songs, through many musicals, through many movies that we show to kids for generations, right? In our culture, 
in the West, in America in particular, we very much believe that truth is something you discover, you believe, you own, it, it's your thing. In the history of the world, that is not the way truth was always looked at. And in cultures today, that's not the way the truth is looked at. Truth is only true if it is believed and discovered in community. If people as a group decide this is what is actually true, then it is actually true. And, and that's, a, that's a very different thing. In the ancient world, the community comes first. And, there was, and I think there's actually a lot of value to that kind of, um, that kind of worldview, that truth is discovered in community. Because you and I have an incredible capacity to believe nonsense about ourselves, about other people, about the world. And the more isolated we become, the more nonsense we believe. Is this true? Have you noticed this? Do you, do you have any family members that are fairly isolated who watch only MSNBC? Or whatever, pick your channel and insert it here, right? The more isolated we become, the more nonsense we, it, we are we are able to, we, we start believing. There is a value to the people, the community going, this is true in you. This is what is true in the world. This is what I see. This is what's happening. This is what's going on with Mary. And she discovers it. She realizes the truth um, in community. She grew up, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a Jewish girl. She grew up knowing the scripture. Um, she probably read the truth. She sang the truth. She prayed the truth. Um, she had, but, but the truth didn't become real till it was discovered in the community. Um, and this is valuable for us today. We can pray. We can read. We can, you've got worship songs galore you could listen to on your own in your car. Um, that you can, there's sermons you can listen to. There's Bible studies that you can do. The Bible is printed in, in your language and it's very accessible to you on a phone or on, on paper or whatever. It's all there for you. But the truth is we need each other to believe and to actually act on that truth. We need each other to know that we're not alone and that we're not crazy. And I, and I think we need to remember that as Christmas approaches because Christmas brings with it a whole bunch of cultural stuff. Christmas is the guy in the North Pole who has elves and they make toys and they give them to good girls and boys. Like that, that's the Christmas thing that culture does. And then there's parties for that and, you know, secret Santas and all of this stuff, right? That's the cultural Christmas celebration. We are the people who are disciples of Jesus. And so when we think about Christmas, we go, no, no, what this is, what Christmas is, it's a Christ mass. It is a gathering of the church to celebrate Christ. We are celebrating his birth. And we believe that when Jesus was born, this was a God creator of the universe came to earth in human flesh, grew up to be a man. That man died on a cross, was, was publicly crucified. He came back from the dead, so he died. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And bonus, when we follow him, we get baptized into him, we give our lives to him, we get to rise from the dead. We will one day die, and we will one day live again eternally with him in a new heaven and a new earth. That is weird stuff that we believe. To the world, that sounds like nonsense. You say, I believe in a guy who came back from the dead, and, 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 and a lot of people will be like, yeah, okay, you've got like your sky fairy that you believe in, 
and it's a figment of your imagination. You're like, no, no, at Christmas is Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus. People are like, no, it's like Santa and elves. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's all just like fun pretend. And we are the people going, it's not fun pretend. It, this, is, this is the story of the world. This is actually what happened in history. This is history, not fantasy. And we need others to see it too. We need each other because we're trying to live this out. We're trying to remember these truths in the midst of a culture that doesn't necessarily remember them. That's part of the value of a church overall. The Area 10 faith community, this church, it is not content. The church is not about a sermon or a singing or the bird theater or Carytown. It has elements of all those things, but that is not the church. The church is not a newsletter. The church is not a service project where we served in the city. These are all fine things. But at the end of the day, a church is a worshiping community that we are here for each other. We gather together because we believe the same things about God and we encourage one, one another. We do not believe the same things about everything. You could pull this whole room and you will find as many people in this room as you'll find in many different opinions. But there are some central truths that we unite around. And we believe in God coming to earth in the form of Jesus and that we want to be in a relationship with him. We need to be disciples of him. We need to follow him. We believe in that. And, and we remind each other of that every time we, we, we come together. This is why on Christmas Eve, uh, a Saturday night, we are going to gather in this room at 4 o'clock. And we're going to gather in here because there will be presents and there will be cookies and there will be all of the things around Christmas, but we want to gather for the Christ Mass and we want to say, this is what Christmas is. This is actually what it's about. And, and let me challenge you to be here, to, 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 to make that a priority in your schedule. Say, okay, I'm going to be here for Christmas. We're going to celebrate this thing together before you go on and do whatever else you're going to do around that season. Uh, make that a priority to, to celebrate with us. We're gathering here to do something holy. And let me encourage you to bring a friend. There are a lot of people who would, would actually come to church if someone invited them, especially at a holiday. Maybe they wouldn't on a today or a typical Sunday. But at a holiday, there might be someone who um, needs to hear this message. We, we are going to talk about when God seems silent and about God breaking the silence. And we have a special message prepared for that night, and I think it's going to be good, and I think we've got good things to talk about. So, so join us for that. So the truth is um, realized and discovered in community. Let, let, me, let me read to you now um, where it goes from here. So, so Mary has this moment where she realizes this truth as Elizabeth has spoken it to her. And then Mary busts out a song. This is the first Christmas carol and is recorded here, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on, looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This Christmas carol 
comes out of Mary as she realizes that God is up to something and she bursts into song and she sings about how good God is. First she sings about how good God is to her. She's like, he has looked upon me in my humble estate. In other words, I am a nobody. I am poor. I am not special. I am not a king. I'm not a queen. I'm not, I'm not a powerful person. I'm just Mary. I'm just this girl in a small town. He's looked upon me and he is doing great things uh, for me. But if you read through it, she, it's pretty radical what she says. She's not just talking about her own situation. She's talking about everyone's situation. That God is intervening for Israel. He is intervening for the nation. He is, he is doing something in the world and, and bringing down those who are high and mighty and raising up those who feel low. It's a powerful thing that God is doing. Is doing that. And this is the second idea I want us to get. When we learn the truth about God, the result is that we worship. When we learn the truth about God, the result is that we worship. Mary can't not sing about this. Now, I, I know that's really weird for us because um, we don't uh, sing often, but this is what she does. Uh, she worships. When we worship, we give honor to someone. We ascribe worth to them. That's what worship is. We say, man, you are great. You are powerful. You are worthy. Um, we, 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 we honor them in many ways. We may, we may worship by bowing down, literally physical posture. We may bow down to someone. We, we may give money to someone to worship them. We, we may pray to them. We may give our time. We may, we may say, God, you are great, and we respond by giving of ourselves in, in a variety of ways. Everybody worships. That everyone does this. They, they give their time, money, and energy to someone and say, you are great. Some people do it to God. Some people do it to Taylor Swift. Like it, it happens all over the world that they just go, you are amazing, and, and I am bowing towards you and giving you time, money, energy. Um, you, are, you are to be worshiped. Um, and I'm sure Mary worshiped God before this had happened, good Jewish girl that she was, but this was different. This was real. It wasn't just worshiping God in her mind. Now it was worshiping God in her body. It was uh, this profound thing. And maybe the God she believed in or knew in her head, she now believed in her heart and in her, in her soul. And Elizabeth's affirmation helps her believe, and then she worships as a response to that. So what does that worship look like? Well, for Mary, it looked like singing, Right? Out of, the mouth, uh, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, or in some cases, sings. And that's weird to us because we don't bust into songs spontaneously in the world. But in the ancient world, that might have been more common. And in parts of the world today, people sing a little more commonly. Um, it not, it's not so unusual. Um, and, we, and we do this. We, we sing as a, as a response to the truth. We sing and we worship God with our, with our voices. We will do that this week. We are gathering on Wednesday night to do a candlelight service, a candlelight worship service this coming Wednesday night in 2810. It is a wonderful room. It is a wonderful place to be. Voices sound amazing in there. Join us Wednesday night. Come. We are setting apart that time, and we're saying we are going to honor God in this season. We're going to honor him as holy. We're going to worship him. We're going to sing to him and, and pray. So worship can look like that. We typically think of worship as singing. It can look that way. Worship also looks like giving. We talked about generosity a couple weeks ago. But one of the ways we worship God is we give money and time and energy away to others. At Christmas, and particularly in the Advent season, we have done that particular way over the years. 
Every year at this church, we do an Advent offering. It is, a, it is an offering, a special offering above what we normally give t- to God here at the church. We do a special offering and we say, hey, what is the project that we, that we want to uh, see happen that would require all of us coming together, giving some to, 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 to meet this great goal? And over the years, we've done things globally and locally. So the very first year we did this at Area 10 in the Christmas of 2008, we, um, we ended up buying water filtration systems for a school in a small village in the mountains of northern Vietnam. Weird, right? We had connections there, and we were building some things there, and so we did that. Over the years, we've, we've, uh, we've purchased a truck and filled it with things uh, for Haiti, for a village in Haiti that we were working with. Um, so we've done global projects where we're doing stuff overseas with uh, orphan care outside of Hanoi, Vietnam, with, um, with in, in Haiti. And then in 2019... The Brent family left our church and they moved to Turkey and we wanted to come alongside them and support them. And so we as a church came along and we, we raised funds for them to be able to go and, and start, uh, start doing work there. So we do global projects. We also do local projects. We, last year we, we did a big project where we pooled our resources and we were able to pay off over $9 million of medical debt. We didn't raise $9 million, but it scales and there's a way to do it. But um, we were able to pay off over $9 million of medical debt for people here uh, in, in the U.S. Um, we, we, we raised money to buy a van for the Grace and Peace Ministry uh, two years ago. And so we've, we've done projects with foster care. We've done stuff locally and globally. And this year we want to get after a global project again. We want to revisit our commitment to the Brent family. And so, um, you, you, if you don't know who they are, you watch the little video of them before I started talking. So, uh, they, they, are, uh, they are overseas, and uh, they are doing great work, and uh, we want to support them. And so, they have a need, and we want to try to fill it as a community. Um, and it's actually, tra- so this will be the third time we've purchased a vehicle in our Advent project, but we want to get them a van because their family is big. There's six of them, and they walk everywhere and and rely on public transportation. We want to get them a vehicle so that they can travel around um, and and continue to do the work that, that, that God is having them do there. And we think this is a great opportunity. So our goal is we're hoping to raise 40000 to cover everything that needs to be done. Um, you're like, can't you get vans cheaper than that? It's tricky over there. So it's, there's, some, there's a lot of differences. Um, but we're, we're, our, our goal is to raise that. So what I'm asking is, as you go through your holiday season, that you set aside money for this purpose. You can give through our app. There's a drop-down menu that says Advent Offering. You can give that way. You can give a, a, a check here. Uh, when, when, we, when we collect up an offering, you can just write Advent in the, in the, in the memo line. But this is a way, if you set aside money with all of the Christmassy Advent things going on, if you set aside money to do this, um, this is a way that we can, um, honestly, it's a way we can worship. It's, yes, it's financial giving, but it is a form of, of worshiping. It is us saying, Jesus, I want to get a present for your, you and your kingdom, not just a gift for my nephew or anything like that. I want to do something uh, for, the, for your kingdom. And so um, this is a great opportunity to, to do that. We're going to talk about that more. In fact, one of the Brents will be here next Sunday on the stage uh, from overseas, and that's going to be really fun. And so we're going to interview, um, we're going to have an interview here on stage, and you'll get to hear all about how the work is going, and you'll get to see uh, uh, that. And so that's going to be a, an awesome, awesome thing. Um, so we'll talk about that more, more next week and in, in the weeks to come leading up to Christmas. Um,
But let me just encourage you as we wrap here, as we dial into this, this thing for Christmas, this silent night, this holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Um, let's make this a holy thing. Um, it, it's so easy for the season to wash over us and become not whole. If holy is special and set apart, it's easy for it to become not special and ordinary and just the thing we do. And, and I want to encourage you to set this apart um, as, as holy. The ordinary way to experience Christmas involves cookies and parties and all of those things. And that's not bad. It's just not set apart. It's not holy. Um, so let me encourage you to make Christmas holy again um, by setting apart. Not Some things are holy and the holiness is sort of baked in. A, a church building is set apart for church services. That kind of has its own unique thing. But some things are holy because we have to make them that way. We have to say, I will set apart this for this purpose. And, and my prayer is that with Advent and this season and as we worship together, um, we will set apart this time and, and really make it holy. And because... You only get so many of these in your life. You only have so many of these seasons. And we know, none of us know how many we have. Let's make this a holy experience uh, and, and celebrate God in a special way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the season of Advent. Um, I pray that um, it's holy, that the silent night, the holy night, that we experience that, that we are dialed in, that we are celebrating this in a countercultural way, that's going to maybe a little bit out of step with our neighbors. Um, God, we are your disciples. We want to follow you. Um, help us to overflow with generosity, with songs like Mary sings her, her Magnificat, her first carol. May we overflow with song as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are going to sing a song now about our, the reasons of, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, that God loves us and we love him. Um, and you're going to have the opportunity to celebrate Jesus through communion. There's bread and juice down here at the front. This is something we receive. Um, you don't uh, make communion happen for yourself. It got, Jesus has died on your behalf, and we, we receive it when we come together as a church. We go, okay, I'm receiving this. Um, also during this time, we're going to do something we haven't typically done it this way before, but we want to do it this way. Um, there are boxes there by the communion. So as you receive, you can also give. You can give an offering. Uh, rather than pass a bucket, we want to give the opportunity. As you come forward to take communion and you want to give something, you can give and receive. Both of those are a form of our worship. When we gather in worship, we give to, to the Lord and we receive from him as well. And so we're going to do that together here as a community. We're going to stand up. You can go out to the left of your aisle and down the front. And as we do that, we will lift our voices and sing and worship. So let's do that together. Let's stand.
draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise Best way to spread Christmas cheer. I've got that all mixed up. Uh, hey, everyone. <laughs> um, real quick as we wrap up, uh, hopefully you were handed a Try 5 card when you walked in. Um, if you, this is your first or fifth time here at Area 10, we'd love for you to fill that out and take it back to our Next Steps table, and we have a special gift for you. Um, if, you if it's not your first or fifth time and you have prayer requests, you want to update information, uh, sign up for the newsletter, anything like that, if you don't mind taking those Try 5 cards and on your way out, we'll have greeters there to collect them, and we'll get them that way so that we don't leave them throughout the, the theater. Just a few quick announcements. The first, really two, Chris has already talked about a little bit. Um, this Wednesday night, December 7th, we're going to be having our worship Advent night over at 2810. We would love for you to be there. It's going to be at 7 o'clock at night. It's going to be a beautiful time. The, the sound of that front room is incredible when you're singing. It makes working very difficult, but when you sing, it's beautiful. Uh, we'll have some uh, hot cocoa and coffee and just some hangout time afterwards as well, which should be great. And then Christmas Eve, November 24th, in case you didn't know when Christmas Eve was, hopefully you do. December, what did I say? I feel like a stand-up comedian. So the other day I was talking. No, um, December 24th is Christmas Eve, and at 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock, we are having one big Christmas Eve service here at The Bird, and we want you to join us. We want you to bring friends and family. We'll pack this place out. It's going to be beautiful and magical and wonderful and really focused on the point of Christmas. There's one small catch. We have child care for birth through five years old, so birth through five years old. Older kids will be in here with us. If you have a birth through five-year-old and you're coming on Christmas Eve, I need you to go to our app or our website and let us know. There's a little uh, form that you can fill out to just let us know that you're going to have kids here so we make sure we have enough child care workers. Otherwise, it's just going to be bedlam and it'll be like Lord of the Flies and I don't think anybody wants that. So December 24th. Uh, the um, Really, the... The last big thing that I want to make sure that we touch base on is on Christmas Day, which is a Sunday this year, we are going to be here at 5 a.m. and we want you all to join us. I'm kidding. We're not doing that. 
we, <laughs> we're not having service on Christmas Day. Uh, be with your families, be with your friends, um, and, and we will not be here. So if you show up here on Christmas Day, take some photos because you're going to be the only one. Okay? Sound good? Good. Um, I personally love Christmas. Uh, it is one of my favorite times of the year. Traditionally, uh, the Advent season each week kind of has a different theme, hope, peace, joy, and love. And the reason I love Christmas so much is because I need to be reminded of those things all the time. And I, I think it's important for us to be honest in the hustle and bustle in that, that sometimes Christmas is actually really hard for people. Um, and it can be hard for lots of different reasons, work, bad memories, even maybe loss. And I say all that to say every week at A10, we have people in the front at the end of the service to, to pray with you because there's a lot of hurt in our lives. And we want to make sure that we always show up and that we're always realistic, that you don't have to feel like you're alone in that hurt, that people can go to the, the throne of Jesus on your behalf and pray with you and encourage you and listen to you. And so this morning, after I pray, maybe you're in that spot. Maybe you're not. But I would invite you to come, come forward if you need some prayer, and um, our prayer folks would be happy to do that. And if it's not today, maybe it's next Sunday. Or maybe it's the following Sunday after that, not Christmas Day, because again, we're not here. But when you're in this theater, don't be afraid to come up and get prayer. That is the lifeblood of our relationship with God. Okay? Let me pray us out, and we'll be on our way. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for hope, and for peace, and for love, and for joy. Thank you that we can experience the holiness of this season in the holiness of you. God, I pray no matter where we're at in our lives this morning that we recognize that you are there meeting us exactly where, you're, where we are at. Whether that's good, bad, frustrating, or angry that you are there. Lord, I pray that you change our hearts and our minds and you draw us closer to you and that you help us see people the way that you see them. It's in your holy